For us personally, God graciously used the Enneagram in our lives to get around our defenses and our blind spots so we could practice truth. I think that's my hope for this episode and what I got from what you guys shared is that we can kind of get around those defenses and blind spots and be able to practice the truth of God's justice and his love and his heart for the world that he created. You're listening to Upside Down Podcast, an ecumenical conversation at the intersection of justice, spirituality, and culture. We've created this space with you in mind. So join us for unscripted conversations on God's Upside Down Kingdom. Hey there, listeners. Lindsay here with some assistance from Kayla. I will be your host for today's episode, The Enneagram for Justice Seekers. If you're a fairly new listener or perhaps you missed our deep dive into the Enneagram in season two, you're going to want to go back and listen to that episode before this one. You're going to be looking for episode 31 from March of 2018, and it will give you an excellent foundation on the Enneagram. Also notable, that episode is our most popular episode ever, so no peer pressure, but everyone's listening to it, so you should too. You're probably thinking that you didn't know Kayla and I are Enneagram experts, and that's because we're not, but we know a couple of people who are. So coming back from episode 31 is Jesse Eubanks of Love Thy Neighborhood and the Enneacast podcast, along with his co-host Sam Stevenson. Jesse and Sam are going to be our trusty guides as we ask how the Enneagram can help us usher in a more livable planet. What does this age-old tool of self-discovery have to say to us today in our deeply polarized, often tragic times? Jesse and Sam, welcome to Upside Down Podcast. Hey, Lindsay. Good to uh, be on with you. <laughs> Thanks for having yeah. us. Thanks for coming back. Um, you guys want to introduce yourselves and maybe share a little bit about the Enneacast? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, Sam, you you want me? To, I'll, I'll I'll just take you, it. Yeah, uh, take it, take it all. Yeah. So, um, so our show, uh, our podcast is called the Enneacast, and it is a deep dive exploration of the Enneagram, um, uh, particularly through a Christian lens. And so, um, in each episode, we explore uh, various elements of the Enneagram. So we go type by type. Uh, season one, we actually did kind of Enneagram 101. Season two, we did a deeper dive on, you know, now that I know my type, where do I go from here? But we've also done like specialty episodes, uh, you know, on a variety of different topics. Yeah, we've talked about marriage, spiritual formation, conflict resolution, boundaries. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of different things. And so, uh, and actually, Lindsay, um, you know, we started that because uh, when I was a guest on Upside Down for the Enneagram episode, you had written me and said that uh, your audience had responded well to it. And so we thought, well, maybe we should give them a little bit more. And so we actually created the Anycast in response to being on your show. So thank you. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. So before we dive into the Enneagram, I realize that it is probably helpful to unpack the term justice and what do we mean by justice specifically as Christians. So I'm going to read a quote from a couple of years ago. I think it was Zondervan released an NIV version of the Bible called God's Justice. And so it's an NIV version of the Bible with commentary from justice seekers all over the world. So I'm just going to read a quick quote from the introduction. So it says, Old Testament justice is often paired with righteousness, a word that means having right relationships. In New Testament Greek, the words translated justice and righteousness actually come from the same root. The two are inseparable. Together, they sum up all that God cares about and is working for. 
Other terms can be used to sum up the Bible's story. God's mission, God's kingdom, reconciliation, peacemaking, covenant, and love, to name a few. All these are valid and true, but none has the bite, the contemporary relevance of justice. God fights. God confronts the evil powers. His love is justice, and justice is his love. So I found that really helpful, and so I hope it kind of lays the foundation for why we're talking about this and what we're talking about. So I'd love to hear, Jesse and Sam, from you guys kind of in general, because we're going to jump into each type and how that works out in our lives and things we need to be aware of and look for. But in general, what are the ways in which the Enneagram is a helpful tool in seeking justice? Well, I think that, you know, the goal of the Enneagram is really to help each of us understand how we relate to God and everyone else. And of course, that that means justice. You know, how how do we relate justly to the world that we live in or, you know, unjustly? Um, And so uh, in the same way that the Enneagram just reveals our tendencies, our patterns, our deadly sin, you know, those things all come to play in uh, in our relationship to justice, because just as you said, Lindsay, I. I'm really thankful that you pointed that out. You know, in scripture, so often righteousness and justice are the same word. So mm-hmm. when the scriptures say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, which is right living before God and everyone else and to be made right before God and everyone else, that that also is blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice. And so, um, so I think in the same way that the Enneagram is something that hopefully as a tool as we attempt to follow Christ and walk with him towards righteousness. Um, justice is a key part of righteousness. Yeah. And I would add too that um, the Enneagram is helpful as a tool of self-discovery and self, you know, kind of growth and reflection. And so as people are growing in their resourceful traits, they're automatically going to be oriented more outwardly. And whenever you're oriented outwardly, you're going to have a heart for justice because you're going to see the outward needs of people around you and uh, you're going to want to advocate for those. So, as we get into the types, it might sound like some types are have a propensity to be more justice oriented, but we would argue that when uh, all types are resourceful, that they would be justice oriented. Yeah, I love that because I've heard people who are different types kind of say like, well, I don't know where I fit in because I'm not the type to like go to a rally or, you know, those right, kind of yeah. things. So I'm excited to kind of dive into that. But Sam, your comment is along the lines of what I was thinking about today in terms of, I just kept thinking about the word truth and how the Enneagram helps reveal like our truer selves and who we are at our core or the right that's been my experience I should say and so if we're going to be truth tellers if we're going to be seeking the righteousness of God um we have to understand our own truth and then also like the truth of of God's reign in the world and so I think those those things are connected um connected for for those of us who are like working out these ideas in our own lives there does become that Okay, I understand the truth about myself, and so now I can go out into the world and and share the truth that I've found to be. Yeah, I think if we do, if we if we attempt to do justice with with uh, while we're self deceived, um, then we're working from a false a false premise. And so, um, so the more self clarity that we're able to have and to protect ourselves from self deception, uh, the more that hopefully that also means we're going to see God more accurately as well as our neighbors and be able to love them better. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. So I've asked you to kind of outline some things for us for each type. So I'm going to let you just take it away. 
All right. So okay. here we go. So we're going to kick things off with the heart triad. And this is types two, three, and four. And as Lindsay already said, uh, you're going to want to make sure that you go back and check out the earlier episode of the Upside Down podcast where we did Enneagram 101, uh, because we're going to assume that you've already listened to that content. So if you're listening to this and you're going, I don't understand what they're saying. Hit pause now. Yeah. Head back, <laughs> listen to that, and then come back because uh, this will make sense if you have. Okay. So let's kick things off with type two. So these folks are helpers, and as it relates to the the issue and the actions of justice, um, these folks lean towards being volunteers, teachers, nurses, social workers. They tend to be number two in an organization. Uh, they love helping behind the scenes. Um, they tend to be very hardworking. They're very faithful, um, and they move toward people who are hurting or who are wounded. Yeah, and when they're non-resourceful, twos can really struggle with the lack of boundaries. They also have the tendency to over-identify with being a helper to those in need. Uh, they also can struggle with just trying to help too many people, and they're victims of burnout. So um, they can have an unrealistic view of their relational resources in that way. So they really just burn the candle at both ends and don't really take time for themselves. They also falsely believe that they are indispensable. So every single type of uh, every single type on the enneagram struggles with a different deadly sin and. For the type twos, they struggle with the deadly sin of pride, and that's the belief that um, that they are indispensable. And it can be surprising to people that they struggle with pride because they come across as extremely selfless and very generous. Right. Um, but even as it relates to issues of justice, they can believe this movement or this cause or this action of mercy it won't happen apart from me. And there's this, mm -hmm. there could be a sense in which they overinvest in themselves. Um, Sam, can you tell us a little bit about the childhood wound of the type twos? Yeah. So uh, in childhood twos learn that it's not okay to have your own needs. And so that they you know, maybe grew up in an environment where there was uh, a sibling with special needs or an addictive parent or something where it just, the needs of the kids weren't as a big of a priority as they should have been in childhood. And so they learn that it's not okay to have my own needs. And so they've lived with this false self saying, it's not okay to ask for help. It's not okay to be dependent on anybody else. And so that, as it relates to justice, will will then turn into their their service, will become self-serving and will be out of a posture, not of humility, but out of pride. And so, yeah, and a sense in which uh, they need other people to be needy, to really feel, to fill their own void inside. Right. And so they can gravitate towards yeah. justice causes because they're trying to fix themselves. Uh, because as long as I'm needed, then I have value. But the moment I'm not needed, I don't have value. So instead of it really being about the justice issue, it's actually it's ends up becoming about themselves. Yeah. So the gospel message for the two is God wants you, that you are needed. And so once the two can really believe that, then they can move out of that inward posture of I need to be needed and I need to go toward people who are needy. Uh, they can kind of relinquish that prideful spirit and, and adopt a posture of humility, knowing that God is the one that wants them and that God is the one that loves them. So for every single um, type on the Enneagram, we're going to suggest um, a downstream action of justice, meaning what comes naturally with you when you just kind of go with the flow of your personality. And we're also going to suggest an upstream action of justice, which is the one that's going to help you develop some muscle. It's going to help you grow. It's going to help you transform. So, um, so for the type twos, the very natural downstream action of justice is just service and volunteerism. That is where you guys just excel and you shine and you show so much to the world about Christ, 
um, just servant spirit and the way that he uh, gave of himself gave of himself generously and sacrificially. Now the upstream action of justice is going to be setting healthy boundaries for rest and self care. Guys, you all are not uh, limitless. You guys have limitations. Um, yes, the the world does need you to show up, and at the same time the world will keep spinning without you. Make sure that you are taking care of yourself, that you're receiving from God. Um, I always say that um, it's amazing to watch Jesus in the scriptures because all these moments when you think he's going to show up and serve, and then all of a sudden he's like withdrawing to go be with the Father and to go receive care from the Father and to go rest. And that is our model. It's a model mm-hmm. of trust and dependence. So, so your upstream uh, action of justice is setting healthy boundaries for rest and self-care so that you can then go step back in and give from a more genuine place. That's okay. great. I love the upstream and downstream. Those are super helpful. Yeah. All right. So then we come to type threes. Sam, you want to roll that one out for yeah, us? Yeah. So threes, they are the motivators. They call people to action. They're the mobilizers and they are also the storytellers. So if you ever go to like a big event, they're the, the ones on the stage telling stories of these uh, international justice causes. They uh, they tell the stories of wounded people. They raise funds for the causes too. So they are the mobilizers. They help the organization kind of stay afloat. They're on the front lines. They're the, often the faces of these organizations. Yeah, they're visionaries. Yeah. They inspire people. Yeah, so that's when they're resourceful. Yeah. Now, when they become non-resourceful as it relates to justice, they tend to want to lead and they can avoid getting in the trenches. In other words, they tend to gravitate just towards being the head of an organization or the head yeah, of a movement, but they actually don't want to get slowed down by actual wounded people um, that may need them. Um, and so... Um, so uh, what can happen is that uh, they can end up shape-shifting, believing that the ends justify the means. So um, there are scenarios in which they will be tempted to deceive themselves or other people because in the end, as long as we you know, meet our goal or we do, you know, a, you know we complete this action of justice, then it's going to be worth it. Um, the other thing that... Uh, threes need to look out for on the non-resourceful side is that if you're not careful, you can end up pimping the poor just for their stories. Um, Mm. uh, Threes need to be very careful that they're not just gravitating around folks that, um, that are impoverished or folks that are recipients of injustice just for your own ability to get more likes online or to publish a book or, um, you know, somehow to draw attention back to you. So, so be very careful about that. Jesse, I'm so, this is Kayla. I'm so glad that you shared that because that is a theme that I feel like is coming up a lot in the conversations that we're having at Upside Down Podcast, kind of this idea of um, the heart and the posture behind some of the justice work and some of the justice like sharing and, and Lindsay and I have talked about that. And our first episode of the season is about performative wokeness. (laughs) So, and and I think every number has, you know, this isn't just a three thing, but I just really wanted to call out that idea um, because I know it's something that our listeners really care about. um, And it's something to be on guard of for, for all of us. So I'm glad that you shared that. Yeah, absolutely. It's easy to do with this age of social media and and likes yeah. and you know going absolutely and, and posting about it or going on a mission trip and posting about it. You know, it's 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 everywhere. It's hard and it's a it's a heart posture for sure. And for the three, um, their deadly sin is deceit, and so they do have it probably the hardest of all of the t- all of the types to shape shift and manipulate truth and to lie flat out about certain issues. Um, and it's because you know 
Jesse will talk a little bit about the childhood messages and um, but deadly sin for the three is deceit. And so that they, they have a little bit harder work cut out for them in terms of truth telling. Yeah. The childhood message uh, wound that threes carry. In other words, this is what they receive, whether it was overt uh, or covert, whether it was conscious or subconscious, they receive the message that it's not okay to have your own feelings and identity. In other words, it doesn't really matter what you want or who you are. It, what matters is what's successful and what looks good. And so it's a highly prescriptive message. And um, the good news for them is this, is that, uh, that Christ comes to them and gives this message, that God loves you for who you are and not who you should be. Um, and that is a message of, of grace and reception and delight. And that healing message then can lead that person to be able to give from a more, uh, from a more resourceful uh, and um, uh, space that is more in touch with, uh, with who God has made them to be. Mm-hmm. Okay, so threes, the downstream discipline is storytelling and mobilizing people to act, especially when you're connected to your heart. You guys are great at storytelling, so keep doing that. The upstream discipline is get in the trenches with people without promoting it. That's a really important caveat there. You know, it's one thing to 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 volunteer, but it's another thing to volunteer and then make, you know, take a selfie about it. So threes, it's uh, get in the trenches without promoting your volunteerism. Yeah, yeah, like that that scripture verse that talks about like that you know the Pharisees roll out and they pray loud in public and they give out in public and mm-hmm. everybody's like they got their reward. Like that's not the reward you guys want. You mm-hmm. you want to give to people because they legit need you. And so the best thing you can do is do it and do it in secret and don't tell anybody. Yeah. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah. All right, you, you want, want us to keep on rolling? Keep going. Okay. Okay, so then we come to type four, which is definitely the best type on the, best the Enneagram. <laughs> um, I feel like there's a, a, a slight bias here, maybe just um, a little bit. <laughs> the only bias is from the Lord himself. Uh, <laughs> only he, he's truth. the true creator. So, that's right. That's yeah. right. <laughs> so these folks, uh, aside from being uh, arrogant and cocky, uh, these folks, when they're resourceful, um, uh, we are empathetic, we're passionate, uh, intense, comfortable more uh, moving toward the margins of society. Fours, um, fours really are. They're comfortable living in low-income neighborhoods. They're comfortable socializing with people that maybe aren't seen as successful and popular. Um, uh, also, fours can be very patient. Uh, they can see goodness and beauty in people who are often overlooked and fours are also creative communicators about social ills. Uh, a lot of fours, you know, these are poets, these are filmmakers, these are musicians. Um, and it's, uh, it's very common for fours to, uh, to be communicating about issues of injustice that they see around them. So that's when they're resourceful. Um, when fours are non-resourceful, they can kind of get stuck in this ideology and platitudes without ever taking action. Um, you know, fours can kind of get stuck mm. in the, the daydreaming. And so it's really, it's going to be important for force to take practical action. Uh, they also can be highly empathetic, but empathy divorced from God's truth. You know, it's all grace and no truth for fours sometimes. So they're really going to have to, um, cultivate a, a spirit of truth and groundedness in, in reality. Uh, fours can be overly critical, particularly of institutions and leadership and, um, you know, I don't know if that's a generational thing, but I especially see that more of just the institution. We have to, you know, 
you know, burn the system and whatever. So I would love to just blame it on younger generations, but I think that, yeah, it might be a heart. I think it's just, it's just us fours being fours. Um, so, and that's why I like fours. It all makes sense now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so fours can also be condescending toward those who aren't as woke as they are. So that's Mm. another problem for fours. Yeah. Um, our deadly sin is, uh, is the sin of envy. Uh, in other words, uh, we see what other people possess and we're envious of it. Usually this comes across as, uh, you know, it'll come out as actually we are uh, very critical of a thing um, or a person or a movement. But actually, usually that's a sign that actually we're envious of it. We're typically we're critiquing it because we're envious of it. And um, and so this uh, this envy really comes from a place of insecurity about who we are as people. And so, uh, so it can come across as that we need to tear other things down or other people down. Um, and as it relates to justice, uh, we can look and we can go, oh, they're not doing it right. Or, oh, that's not even the right. That's not even the truth. And if you dig around half the time, it's actually more about our own insecurity than it is about the actual issue. So, mm-hmm. um, so Sam, tell us a little bit about the, the childhood message wound. Yeah. So fours unconsciously or covertly learn that it's not okay to be too functional or too happy. So they adopted the spirit of melancholy and this longing, the never satisfied spirit. Um, But the gospel message is that God sees you and delights in you for who you are. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that like, like rocked my world. Like when Mm -hmm. I finally realized, you know, as a teenager that, that I mattered to God, that he saw me and that he delights in me, like as his son, It's very like that was the beginning of a great healing that's like continued to go on. So if we can live from a place where we believe that God sees us and delights in us because he's a good and loving father, then we're able to give from, uh, from a place that is more authentic and a place that is more grounded in, uh, in our identity as sons and daughters of God. So the downstream action of justice is empathizing and creatively sharing about causes that they are passionate about. That's going to come very naturally to type fours, uh, to emotionally connect with people, to give emotional language to other people when they're hurt. Um, even um, even mourning with people uh, is, oh, is a yeah. very helpful thing as it comes to issues of justice or, or rather injustice. Um, the upstream action of justice is going to be holding both grace and truth without being overreactive. So as Sam said earlier, um, sometimes fours, we can get so like in deep into our emotions that we're like, go like hyper empathy and we begin to lose our footing and our groundedness. Um, but God calls us to be people of both grace and truth. Um, and so to only, only emphasize grace or only emphasize empathy, we don't have to do either or it's both. And so we want to be people of both grace and truth. I love that. Uh, Jesse, Jesse and Sam, I have a question. I have a lot of good friends who are fours and I love them. And I see sometimes as a friend, I see them kind of like go down into themselves in like the mel- melancholy and, and kind of that seriousness. Year. Yeah. And then they feel like disconnected from empathy almost. And so I don't know as a friend, how do I come alongside them um, as we are, you know, trying to combat a social ill together. We're trying to be involved in our community. When I see them kind of, I don't know, getting lost in that that heaviness. Um, is there anything that people who aren't for should know of ways to kind of like come alongside people in that, in that justice work? 
Yeah, so I think that actually justice work, you know, really comes naturally. If you look at a lot of creative types in society, a lot of them have a very strong natural justice bent to who they are. And um, and the reason for that is in Enneagram theory, the four actually, when they are growing, their growth arrow is actually to the one. And the one is all about practical action. So the way to really help fours, especially when we kind of go inside of ourselves and we get fixated on what we're feeling or what we're missing out on or how the world's not how it should be, is to really get us to focus on, so what do you want to do? Um, Mm. And who needs you to show up right now in life? You need to, like anything that the four can do to get outside of themselves and to start focusing on helping other people, reaching out to other people, uh, taking practical action. Um, because the four can really kind of get lost in the labyrinth of their emotions. So the key is get out of the labyrinth and actually get to work and actually start go, go and actually help people and do it in a very practical way. That's really helpful. Uh, okay. So Sam, so we are now entering the head triad. Yes. And so these folks primarily process the world through thinking. Um, and we're going to kick things off with type five. Yeah. So fives, uh, they're the investigators, the the thinkers so when they're resourceful they're often very well informed on the details of justice issues so you'll see them uh, kind of being thought leaders I'll, I'll follow fives on twitter because they always kind of have a good perspective on <laughs> on uh, complex issues so they synthesize issues in order to help others understand they're very well researched they're also really level-headed among these polarizing ideologies you're not going to see them being overly reactive they probably won't be the first people out to report on an issue but they'll be probably the one of the best resources for you so uh, it's because they reflect before they act. Yeah. And even if they like retweet something, it tends to not be like this heavily polarized thing. It tends to be a nuanced article. Like right. they're just, they're, they're great thinkers. Um, and they, they're very concerned with, uh, with being wise and representing the truth. Now, when these folks become non-resourceful, um, they, they tend to be, to begin to isolate, uh, and to withdraw from other people. And, the result is, especially when it comes to issues of justice, the result is a real dangerous one, which is that they begin to develop a platform without actual relational presence. And so mm. their platform may have started because they were in the trenches, you know, doing work in a neighborhood or on staff at a church, or they were part of a nonprofit or they saw some justice movement. But as time went on, that stuff began to wear down the relational tank and they withdrew and withdrew until eventually they just became. Uh, someone that just sort of talks from a platform perspective, but they're actually not doing any of the work any longer. Um, and so they become folks that, uh, that do scholarship without practice. Um, and they begin to see their mind, their mind's concepts about justice as equal or more important than relationally acting on justice. Um, and so they can kind of escape into their mind palaces about how they think the world should be and what's true. Um, and all the while, they're actually not connected with other human beings and actually reaching out in love to those other folks. Yeah, and that's uh, because, you know, their posture is is operated out of that deadly sin, which is their issue of greed. You know, and when we say greed, I think we think financial greed, but we're actually talking about more like relational and emotional and even mental greed. So they uh, isolate and hold and hole up, you know, uh, to themselves and keep to themselves and not uh, live from a posture of generosity. So fives, your deadly sin is greed. Uh, their childhood message wound is that they grew up in a space where they were taught that it's not okay to be comfortable in the world. In other words, uh, if you get too comfortable, the world's going to take too much from you. It's going to swallow you whole. 
Um, and so, uh, so that greed really has allowed them to, to feel like, Hey, I got to take care of myself. I need to make sure that I have everything that I need in the world. Very self-reliant. Um, but there's good news. And the good news is that God comes to you and he gives you this gospel message. And that is that your needs matter to God and you are not a problem. Um, and when you believe that your needs matter to God, that he's going to take care of them, that you're not a problem, um, it's going to allow you to live from a better posture when it comes to the issue of justice. Yeah. And so five, some advice. So the downstream discipline is is keep reading and researching issues and reporting on them to help others. So don't just read and research, but be sure to report on them to help in order to help us. Um, and the upstream discipline is to be generously involved relationally and emotionally with hurting people. So not just periodically, but be generously involved. Mm, that's so good. Mm-hmm. I um, One of the books that I have been really enjoying right now um, in all the numbers is the spiritual rhythms for the Enneagram. Um, and one of the things they say for fives that they just kind of give some prayer practices, but I just thought this really made a lot of sense is breathing in God gives wisdom and then breathing out. I share God. And that just totally connects with what you guys were just saying. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Yeah. that's. I awesome. like that. Um, okay. So the next one is type six and uh, these folks, as it relates to justice, um, these folks are very consistent and steadfast. Uh, when it comes to nonprofit work, justice work, ministry work, uh, they work very well behind the scenes. Um, they're highly gifted in systems and uh, in procedures. So these folks are really committed to obtaining security and safety for the vulnerable. So they look at a situation and they very quickly can assess all the dangers and vulnerabilities um, that could hurt or harm those that they love and those that they are seeking to protect. Um, And uh, they begin to set up systems and procedures to take care of them. Um, They are dependable to keep going when times are hard, and they ensure that proper systems exist to protect people. So that's uh, resourceful when they're non-resourceful. They can really struggle with cowardice and uh, fear. And so um, they create boundaries that prohibit love. So in order to keep people safe, they may uh, prevent justice from actually being done. So they're preoccupied with safety at the expense of caring for someone in need. And they can be just pessimistic and believe that all justice efforts are futile because of all the bad things that could happen and all the things that could go wrong. And what's the point of even acting at all? Because there's always going to be more bad news around the corner. So that's the non-resourceful aspects of the six. And a lot of that comes from their deadly sin. And their deadly sin is the the deadly sin of fear. Um, Just a great deal of fear just can really uh, dominate and take over um, aspects of the six's life. Um, we say that they can really suffer from catastrophic thinking mm-hmm. um, and, and a sense of, um, of just like the sky is falling and the, the world's going to come apart. Now, oftentimes, terrible things do happen. We do live in a world where terrible things happen. Right. Um, and that's the hard part is that uh, it can reinforce this deadly sin of fear and, and tell the six, no, fear is actually my friend and it helps keep me safe. Um, but, uh, but fear, you know, what does scripture tell us that perfect love casts out all fear? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, so Sam, tell us about the childhood message wound. Yeah. So uh, in childhood, sixes learn that it's not okay to trust yourself. Um, and so again, that issue of fear has been there for uh, an early, from an early age. But the gospel message is you are safe in Christ. 
Mm-hmm. So this uh, allows the six. This allows the six to uh, to be able to step into it, to actions of justice. The downstream action of justice is creating and implementing systems to protect people who are vulnerable. Sixes, this comes really natural to you guys. So keep at it. My wife is a six. She works in the school system here. She is a natural systems creator, and it is it is for the benefit of many uh, public school students who are often overlooked by the broader society. And she she gets in those meetings, man, and she sets up these systems that are going to look out for these kids and take care of them. So so keep setting up those systems. That's so um, cool. The uh, the upstream action of justice is stepping into scary or less safe situations to love people in need. In other words. Um, there will always be unknowns in any given situation that you might have to step into. And there will always be risks. Those things can't be avoided. So how can you step into a scary or less safe situation in order to love people in need? Mm. Jesse, I remember, sorry, (laughs) we have so much to say. (laughs) Um, I don't know where I heard this, but for some reason in my mind, I keep thinking that is it true that most Americans or a majority or a large percentage are sixes? Yeah. So the, the, the a prevalent theory is that there are more sixes in the world than anything else. Oh, and in for the good world. reason. Okay. Yeah. In the world, because if you look at, um, if you look at the world at large, modern history is about the most stable time we've ever had in history. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the majority of the world uh, is under imminent threat in various ways all the time, whether it's from, you know, disease, whether it's from war, whether it's from, you know, corruption. And so, um, and so of course, when folks are born and raised as children in those environments, it's going to breed a great deal of fear. And so, um, so yeah. It's what you, when you were describing the non-resourceful side of the six, it sounded very familiar in terms of what we see in our country right now. Yeah. 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 And the other thing, too, that's that, you know, I guess maybe I'll pause and just mention this is that sixes should just be aware that they can sometimes give their autonomy away. And even on issues of justice, there can be times in which they may trust um, authorities maybe too quickly because Mm -hmm. they want the safety that that authority provides. Um, But sixes, sixes that know themselves know they're just as likely to suddenly the next day switch and decide they don't trust that authority at all. And that that's that authority is now the enemy. So um, so sixes can get into a real push pull thing with authority um, and that can get a little dicey when you're trying to decide what is just and what is unjust. And so mm-hmm. uh, so sixes just need to be aware of their own kind of yo-yo stuff that can get going in these scenarios. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to add that when we talked with you in our first Enneagram episode, you said something that has stuck with me about sixes. And it's something that I've kind of like nestled now into <laughs> into my brain and into my heart when working with or, um, you know, just having friends or family who are sixes. And that's you said that they're like the bravest number because they're always calculating everything that could go wrong. <laughs> they have that fear. And so every time they're stepping out that that is like so brave. And I just, that really helped me um, just understand and, and know how to love my friends who are sixes a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sixes are so courageous. Yeah. Um, you know, they're like, unlike other types who maybe act more you know, because they're not considering all the outcomes, but sixes, when they do act, it's because, okay, I've thought about it and this is worth the risk, you know? Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. You guys ready for type seven? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so sevens, they are the party people, the the joyful, the optimists. So um, no surprise, they are optimistic about possible outcomes. They bring joy to people who are hurting. They, um, they're also really good at celebrating victories well. I think justice work can be very draining and very taxing. Mm. So it's good to have some sevens around to celebrate. Um, and they're going to remember to celebrate. They make the volunteers feel cared for and loved. If they're on a team of people, they're going to make sure that everybody around them feels, you know, kind of lifted and, and cared for um, because they bring that childlike lightheartedness to the tough situations. So when sevens are non-resourceful on issues of justice, they can really struggle to stay in the relationship or cause when things are too hard for too long. Um, uh, it's just really hard. Sevens are probably the most sensitive to pain and discomfort of all of the types. And so stepping into justice issues can become very daunting, uh, for a seven. Um, there are times where a seven, uh, when non-resourceful can be inappropriately jovial, um, where there might be the moment may call for a somberness because it's just hard and heavy and that, that, you know, the seven may just really feel tempted to make lighthearted jokes at an in, inappropriate time. Um, sevens can also, when non-resourceful, they can end up pimping the poor for the story and the adventure. Um, they can look at the scenario and they can go, oh my gosh, like, can you imagine what it's going to be like? And uh, and then they come and really the, the poor can be used uh, just for the story and the adventure. Um, when non-resourceful, uh, uh, the seven can also tend to think about their own discomfort more than the pain of other people. And so, um, so sevens just have to really make sure that they stay aware of their own sensitivity to pain and to keep on just pushing through. Yeah, and that's uh, related to their deadly sin, which is gluttony, which is, you know, almost, uh, no, wait, too much of a good thing is almost enough. Is that yeah, how it right. goes? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so for the seven, for the seven, they're going to have to really struggle against the the being satisfied and being content and um, not that not letting their tendency toward abundance take over um, in issues of justice. It can be uh, hard because, you know, you might have to celebrate little victories, but that, uh but the tendency for the seven is to just kind of consume and to be never quite satisfied with what is right in front of them. So um, the, the childhood message that the seven received was that it's not okay to depend on anyone for anything. And so, uh, so the seven is always out just sort of seeking out um, ways to take care of themselves in, in pleasurable ways. But there's good news. Um, and that is that, that God comes and brings this gospel message. God will take care of you. Um, that you will find satisfaction and pleasure in him and, uh, and he will ultimately bring you full satisfaction. So you don't have to go out and chase it everywhere else. He knows, he knows that you want to be satisfied and he wants to give that to you. Um, so when folks tap into that, what happens, Sam? Yeah. So the downstream is that they bring joy and celebration to people in hard situations. They bring light into dark places. So keep doing that sevens. Uh, the upstream discipline is staying committed to other people who need you when they're in pain. Hmm. Yeah. You guys got any yeah. thoughts on the sevens? Oh man, I have a seven wing. I just, I'm just trying to, yeah, learn <laughs> from you guys. I don't have, I don't have questions about my seven friends. Cause I'm thinking about myself. <laughs> <laughs> is that a very seven thing to do? <laughs> no. Uh, Sam's so nice. She's like, no, it's not. That's actually, that's <laughs> totally <Sam's> lying to you. <laughs> it totally is. I think it's is. just fascinating how like spot on it is. Like people talk about, you know, you don't want to um, 
turn someone into just a number. But then when I hear you talking about that, and I think of colleagues that I've had who, I mean, like the two, the four, the seven, like there are individual people who come into my mind. I'm like, yes, you are describing that person. It's just, I think it's fascinating and really helpful. It is really, it's really helpful when you can, like I'm thinking about a situation where there was kind of a crisis and in my head I had hyped up that twos are like because I'm an eight eight goes to two you know in in resourceful you know health whatever so I have hyped up that twos are like the perfect number so (laughs) then then I saw there was like a crisis situation and the two was kind of spiraling out of control in trying to help in like unhealthy ways and then I was like looking through the lens of the Enneagram I realized like okay okay this is what's going on this is how I can come alongside this person you know what I mean so yeah I found it to be really really helpful yeah, that's good. That's good. I think we all have our rose-colored glasses for people. Right. You know, like it depends yeah. on what we feel like we lack or what we're trying to aspire to be. Because I think yep. seven, I think the world of sevens, I want to be more like seven. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then sevens cause problems and then, you know, everybody's got, everybody's got their something. But it turns so. out sevens are humans too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. um, all right. So now we're going to make our way to the gut triad. And so these are our eights, nines, and ones. And these folks um, interpret the world not primarily through their emotions and not primarily through their thinking but through this other thing this like gut level like intuitive Intuition. body you know i don't know like just these know folks, things you just know things and in and <laughs> you're all's like body language is probably the most uh like pronounced the, the and, most pronounced and the most yeah. helpful to, to understanding what's actually going on inside a person mm. yeah yeah a little tip if you are in this triad your body language tells you what you think before any other part of you. So look at your own body language. Um, dun, dun, okay. Dun. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay. So uh, type eights um, when they are resourceful, when it comes to uh, uh, stepping into issues of justice, these folks stick up for the little guys. Uh, they are really uh, big into advocacy. Um, they are very outspoken about injustice. They often start justice movements or justice podcasts. Um, they (laughs) boost confidence of others to speak up and step out and they are willing to take the first hard step. So very natural leaders, um, and very much if they're going to say, Hey, let's go storm the gates of hell. They're, they're not going to stand in the back and let you do it. They want to, they want to run at the front of the pack when they're, when they're resourceful. Yeah. And when they're non-resourceful, which never happens, um, (laughs) (laughs) Aids can tend to have a tendency to be uh, in mentor relationships, but have actually no peers. And that's really a problem when it mm. comes to leadership because uh, they can be kind of uh, bullheaded and, um, and relentless and not really have any accountability. Um, they can also become fixated on particularities to the point of becoming controlling. So if they're in leadership or if they have staffs, you know, they can kind of get nitpicky um, and, and micromanage managerial um, when they don't feel like justice is happening fast enough, they can become vengeful without showing mercy. Um, they can have all truth and no grace, and they can't surrender to God or others. There's no thy will be done. It's my way or the highway for AIDS. Um, their deadly sin is the deadly sin of shamelessness, which is a lack of appropriate boundaries and uh, a failure to internally understand where they end and another person begins. Um, and so, uh, so they can sort of have a boundlessness where, 
um, uh, this deadly sin just sort of wants to continuously consume into uh, their space the boundaries of other people. Um, and so this shamelessness will provoke them to sometimes say or do things that have very little regard for the tenderness or um, feelings of other people. So the childhood message that uh, was received was it's not okay to be vulnerable or to trust anyone. So AIDS learned that I can only trust myself in order to get by in this world. But the gospel message is that God will never betray you. Um, when when AIDS can believe that God will never betray them and that God is steadfast and that God will always execute perfect justice um, and be perfectly faithful, it allows them to then step into their downstream action of justice, which is advocacy, being a visionary, and leading justice movements. Those things come very natural for AIDS. Um, the upstream action of justice is having close friends with whom they are vulnerable and showing God's mercy to those who commit injustice. Um, and so, uh, which is essentially to say that, that the eights remember God has been patient with me and he has shown me mercy when I committed injustice. And so I now want to give that to other people. Yeah, that that's so good. Um, I just have to share the, another breath prayer for eights because it's something I have been trying to incorporate more and it's just breathing in made in God's image and then breathing out I am not God and that's the Ooh. breath prayer for eights that's good that's mm -hmm. really good yeah that is really good yeah I think yeah. for me the shamelessness comes out in the form of um, prioritizing tasks over relationships so I can get mm -hmm. very um like my husband calls it tunnel vision. Um, like there, there's this task, we're going to accomplish it. And the relationships and the people around me who are in theory, accomplishing the same task, like fall to the wayside. So I have to be very conscious of that in terms of working with other people and relationally and being on a team to not let the relationship go. Um, right. In, in the effort to like accomplish this goal that we set out to, to accomplish. Yeah. That's yeah, that's really good because tasks are easier to manage and control and they're more predictable, but people are messy and you can't always know what they're going to do. Yeah, <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Okay, so nines. You ready? ready. When... Okay, so All the nines, nines are... listening have already fallen asleep. They're not. They're not I know. <laughs> Wake them up. We actually, <laughs> actually Sam, Sam has this theory that nines consume more podcasts than any of the other types. And I think, oh. she's, I think she's right. Yeah, uh, because it's the most, you re it requires a lot of patience to get through a podcast, but it's also this false sense of productivity <laughs> that nines can <laughs> themselves. Uh, so I, I'm guilty of listening to podcasts and, and, you know, while I'm doing dishes or while I'm, it starts out while I'm doing dishes, but then I just like to sit down and listen to it. And then it's like, oh, the dishes didn't get done, but I did something. I listened to the thing. It's very passive, but it feels very productive. Yeah. So all you sure. nines listening, listening to this podcast, this one's for you. Okay, yeah, I'm a, I'm a nine, so I can say that, right? Yeah, Is that's that, right. That's true. That's right. I heard it somewhere. So nines, we are gifted at uh, helping two opposing sides reconcile. So out of, you know, all the types, we're the most adept at sensing common ground and so uh, we can navigate creative compromise well very diplomatic very patient can play the long game um, nines are also really good at helping de-escalate rising tensions and we're also sensitive to micro and macro injustices so whether it's issues of uh you know gun reform or anything like that um versus like 
a kid that's getting picked on on the playground. Like nines are going to, you know, kind of feel the same way and kind of carry out the same sense of justice toward both of those types of issues. Um, when they're non-resourceful, nines can have a failure to step into justice issues because of the inherent conflict associated with them. And the nine has a strong aversion to conflict. And so sometimes they just don't want to step into justice issues. Sometimes they don't want to step into them because they don't even know what's going on because... <laughs> nines can be kind of oblivious. <laughs> yeah, they are just kind of, they can be kind of oblivious to yeah. it. Um, they're, also, they can see all sides of an issue to the point of failing to take a stand. In other words, they just kind of go, well, every side is valid. Oh, I understand what you're saying. Well, I understand what you're saying. Well, I understand what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And to the point that um, that they just think that their, you know, their ability to see all sides is actually a good thing instead of it's like, no, 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 you got to like step it up. Or that understanding is the is the virtue that you're trying to go for. Like, but understanding is not always the final goal. Um, they can uh, they can have uh, all grace without any truth because truth uh, can rock the boat and it can create conflict. And so sometimes they just want to be all grace people. Um, they can't take the path of least resistance. So if it's going to get convoluted, com- complex, hard, uh, then I may go, the path of least resistance is actually straight back to my house and into my bed because this seems really hard. Um <laughs> Uh, they can have a lack of emotional or personal empathy for causes just due to their failure to process or consider the details of what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the deadly sin for the nine is sloth. And so that's like a laziness, a spiritual laziness that kicks in um, that makes it difficult to engage with the deeper issues of themselves and the, you know, the deeper terrain of their own souls, but also the, the deeper issues that are happening in the world around them. Um, the message that they received in their childhood was that it doesn't matter if you assert yourself. In other words, they grew up in environments that for whatever reason, um, they learned what's going to happen is going to happen. And it doesn't matter whether I show up and it doesn't matter whether I assert my opinion. Uh, in the end, my presence isn't going to make a big difference. But then mm-hmm. the gospel message to them is this. Your presence matters. Christ is at work in and through you. And because of that, when you show up, that means that Christ is also working through you to impact and change other people's lives. Um, and the rest of the world needs you to show up. So your presence makes a huge difference. The downstream discipline for the nine is peaceful. Is their peaceful presence that helps the behind the scenes and uh, the peaceful presence that helps work toward the creative compromises. So nines keep showing up with your presence um, because it really will make a difference. The upstream discipline is a personal boldness empowered by a conviction of God's righteousness and justice. Hmm, that's good. So our listeners might remember that our former co-host Shannon Evans was a nine and Kayla and I are obviously both eights. And when Shannon decided to step away from the podcast, I think Kayla and I both had this sense of like, well, but who's going to deescalate us? Like who's going to bring us down when we get all worked up? Um, Mm -hmm. So you definitely, I feel like that, the nines in, in my life, like that peaceful presence, you can feel it like in the room, in the space that they inhabit. Like when nines are healthy, you can you can really feel that peaceful presence that they bring with them. I agree. Sam's in the studio with me now. Sam, like, I feel <laughs> your peaceful presence. You feel very zen. I feel zen. <laughs> Um, You're welcome. Okay, now we come to type ones. And uh, so type ones, uh, when it comes to issues of justice and they are resourceful, these folks are fair minded, uh, meaning that, you know, literally, if you consider the scales of uh, the, the, the scales of justice, 
like that is these folks. They want to weigh the truth. They want to they want to make sure that things are fair and reasonable. Um, uh, they these folks thirst for righteousness and justice. They just they literally have this internal longing um, for God's righteousness to come into the world. Uh, they're very concerned with truth, very dedicated to practical action. So in other words, uh, that's fine if this philosophy informs you or this theology informs you, that's good, but they want to know what does it mean? What is it, What are we actually going to do with it and how does it play itself out in the world? Um, and also these folks are very comfortable pushing back against injustice. So they are not going to be willing to just to roll over and allow injustice to go forward. They want to step in and they want to push back against uh, the brokenness in the world. When they're non-resourceful, ones can become impatient when justice isn't being executed at the pace that they want and they've, that they've deemed is, uh, is the standard. So uh, ones can just have very rigid expectations. They can make others feel judged if they're not operating under those expectations. They can become very pushy. They have this sort of relentless anger that comes out. They can become very controlling or critical. And they can believe that their anger is righteous and justified. Yeah, and that's where things can get really um, dangerous because their deadly sin is actually anger. And so what happens is that when injustice arises in the world, and there's, there is a time and a place right. to feel anger. Yes. But the trick for the ones is if they like feel like, oh, this is a righteous anger, well, then they can like run with it as much as they want to. And that's where they can really do some damage to themselves and to the other people in their life. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, In childhood ones learn that it's not okay to make mistakes. And so while they have those expectations that seem very rigid on others, they're actually very, very hard on themselves. Um, So it's really important that they believe the gospel message, which is that you are good just as you are. Yeah. Christ has come to you and made you a new person. Like you are good. You're good just as you are. Like you don't, you don't need to sit there and beat on yourself. Christ has already gone to the cross for you. You don't need to also go to the cross. Mm. Um, and so just receive receive that goodness and grace. And if you can receive that goodness and grace, then that allows you to then step more wholeheartedly into the downstream action of justice, which is your passion for restoring justice and righteousness into the world. Um, and then... Uh, if you'd like to grow, then then take the uh, the upstream action of justice, which is receiving grace and patience from God, so that you can give grace and patience to others. Mm. And that's it. Those Woo! are the nine types of the Enneagram you guys as it just relates to justice. Killed it. That was so so helpful to hear because I feel like sometimes I'll have conversations with somebody and they'll say, "Well, I just don't really, I don't really get involved because it's just not really my personality. Like I don't really." take a side or I don't really, you know, whatever it is, like they, they just kind of say, well, it's not my personality, but listening to Mm -hmm. you, like you shared strengths from every single number on the Enneagram that like, we need everyone to do this work, right? Like we can't just have one number. We need each other. It's like the body, right? Like we see that language and scripture for a reason. So I, I think it's personally really helpful um, to hear you guys kind of break down and the downstream and upstream was something I'm going to be thinking a lot about. Yeah, I agree for sure. Thank you guys so much for that. That was like a, a speedy work through, <laughs> but I think it, it really does give people a lot to chew on and think about. And if they want to learn more about the Enneagram, tell our listeners where they can find the Enneacast. 
Yeah, so wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, uh, just search for Love Thy Neighborhood Presents the Enneacast. And uh, yeah, you'll see you'll see our show pop up. And we've got a bunch of episodes. Um, but yeah, if, if you know very little about the Enneagram or you know a lot about the Enneagram, we have folks, um, we have different authors on, Enneagram coaches, musicians, artists, friends of ours. Um, every episode is just, is just a pretty fascinating and fun time together we play ridiculous games together and yeah. laugh a lot i uh, win every time we also answer <laughs> listener questions and so so it's uh it's it's a fun experience and yeah, it's a lot of fun. um i would also say that if if you're also you know if you're interested in issues of justice our other show is called love that neighborhood and that show we actually explore the intersection of social justice and christian community mm-hmm. and so we it's a narrative journalism podcast where we've covered uh, topics such as racial reconciliation, gentrification, addiction, foster care, abortion. Uh, we've covered just a ton of different issues. And um, so if you're just curious about how Christians are engaging some of those uh, difficult topics, um, that's another another show you can check out. Just search for Love That Neighborhood. Yeah, definitely. Y'all's podcast is super helpful, and I would definitely suggest our listeners head over there and Take a listen. It's a good kind of sister podcast to ours, I think. And... We'll be your sister. Okay. <laughs> That's good. Well, of course, you can learn more about Upside Down at UpsideDownPodcast.com, or you can follow us on Instagram at Upside Down Podcast. We also have a listener group on Facebook where we process through our episodes with the lens of the Upside Down Kingdom, and that's Upside Down Tribe on Facebook. Yeah, um, I think one... this episode will be a good one to talk through together, yeah, too. Yeah, sure. I'm excited to see the conversation that comes out of this. Um, we want to say a really quick thank you to our patrons because our giving community makes it possible for us to produce the podcast, and a few bucks a month really does add up. You can join those folks at UpsideDownPodcast.com slash giving to partner with, with us and join the Patreon community. Um, and I wanted to end with a quote. So Kayla mentioned the spiritual rhythms for the Enneagram book. Um, and that's been a great resource for me as well. And the authors, I believe this is from the introduction said for us personally, God graciously used the Enneagram in our lives to get around our defenses and our blind spots. So we could practice truth. I think that's my hope for this episode. And what I got from what you guys shared is that we can kind of get around those defenses and blind spots and be able to practice the truth of God's justice and his love and his heart for the world that he created. So thank you guys for sharing. Thanks to our listeners for listening. We'll be back in your earbuds in a couple of weeks. Thank you guys. <laughs>